podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Leeds Up Podcast. I'm James and I'm with Rocco. Hello. How are you doing? You all right? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I am very good. I am in Devon at the minute on holiday. Uh, there was supposed to be some floods here and there, but we've avoided it. We've had nice sunshine. It's been good. And yeah, I managed to watch Leeds win. I mean, I wasn't in the ground, which is Leeds that basically. And, you know, the first time we've scored four goals before half time since 1995 against Ipswich, I think the stat is. And I missed it. And so Leeds that. Yep, me too. I was pretty gutted, to be honest. As the goals were flying in, I had mixed feelings. Yeah, I, I, I sort of had a feeling we'd smash them. And yeah, when it was confirmed that I couldn't go, then I really felt like we were going to definitely smash them. And we did, which was really nice. Like, lovely to see. Great, great bounce back ability. Is this what we need to do then? Just double down, both not turn up to games, or we just smash through teams? We're going to have to. Well, neither of us are off to Leicester, so yeah. Let's see what happens there. 4 0 at half time would do. Yeah, yeah. God, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? First thing I spotted TV, because I, you know, I don't watch that many games at Ellen Road on TV. You just sort of watch back the highlights. Maybe you spotted this, or maybe someone knows the answer to this. But is there a PA in the way of the camera now? And that didn't used to be there before. I spotted it, yes. And I don't think I've ever seen it before. So I don't know what that's about. That is a, yeah, that was a new one on me. No answer like, for that. It's like every time we broke forward in the first half, I was like, that new PA system that the only place my mind went to. And then uh, Somerville got fouled on the left-hand side, didn't he? Which was just off camera of the, uh, the PA system. Uh, there was a lot of that going on. I, I, very early on, I, I felt like someone was going to get sent off from their team because they were, well, just late and rubbish, weren't they? Yes, absolutely. And uh, it goes back to my frustrations with the road on sending off at Hull. Um, which everyone just seemed to accept was a second booking when it wasn't in a million years. And, you know, we've seen that yesterday, like so many, like Hog, especially, uh, you know, his first one, like, I don't think that was a red, but then he did a couple of fouls after that, that, yeah, judging by the road on standard, absolute nailed on second yellow card, but yeah, they get the benefit of the doubt. So yeah, they annoyed me, to be honest. Once they'd lost, they just seemed like they wanted some blood on the boots. You know, it was all they had left was to try and, uh, yeah, get some some respect from the fans by getting stuck in. And yeah, maybe we needed a bit more protection from the ref, but yeah, I don't know. Prior to the goal, because obviously we were about to talk about the free kick that came up on the left-hand side, which then resulted in the goal. But before that, there was, a, well, it looked like handball, stonewall penalty. What did you think on that? I did. Absolute stonewall. Again, really annoys me. Like, I just feel like referees don't just referee on what they see anymore. Like, I, they take all sorts of other things into, into account. Like, him looking at that cannot have not thought that that was handball. He lent in, like, his arms were by his side, but he lent into it on purpose. He even flicked his elbow out a bit. And the rest looking right at it. And, like, yeah, it was probably going wide anyway. But that's not the rules. That's a handball all day long. It was, yeah, just terrible. Terrible refereeing again. I don't know how he comes up with that decision. It's, you know, I can only think that he didn't want to give an early penalty. Like, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's playing. Part of me wonders whether referees are distracted. You know, like, he's about to about to give a, a red card. He's like, is that a new PA system up there? That, that yeah, one here last yeah. time I was at Ellen Road. <laughs> oh, dear. 
So I'm, I'm running through your notes here, Rocco, because yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the fly on holiday, and yeah. I appreciate these notes because yeah, I mean I've not seen your note taking before. But it's extensive, but well, you, I, I don't take notes. So I've never <laughs> taken notes, but the whole the whole thing was right. I I should have maybe started with this, but I like well, I'd like to know how many Leeds fans thought this match was on Sky because I did. So I th- so it's my it's my son's birthday. That's why I wasn't at the ground. And oh, how- yeah, four years old, bless him. And so, yeah, so we were going out for lunch and no problem. I was going to record the match and, you know, watch it when I got back. And then I realized it wasn't on Sky. So missed the first half and, yeah, basically only caught the second half. Uh, why, why did I start talking about this? What was the, what was the original question? Oh, dear. Oh, my notes. Oh, I was going to leave you hanging for ages then. Oh, what classic podcast content. <laughs> I'm annoyed you remembered. So, so yeah, so I watched the second half, which was obviously a non-event. And then, yeah, when I went through the, so I watched the first half this morning on a rerun and I felt like I had to make notes because if I've not been there, like, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't sure that it'd be like clear in my head. So yeah, one off notes, but yeah, they were, yeah, I think they were pretty good. I'm surprised you understand a lot of it. A lot of it was gibberish, but let's see how we no, yeah. Well, first point I've seen on here is intensity. Yeah, were you talking yeah. about volume of the PA? Oh. <laughs> no, the Leeds players, they were, they were playing heavy metal football, weren't they? They were, they were massively up for it. And the fans as well, actually. It sounded like an amazing atmosphere. That was the one good thing. Oh, well, the best thing about it not being on Sky, and it was almost worth um, missing the first half because on the rerun that I watched, there was no commentary. So it's like being at the ground, like you can hear the atmosphere 100%, you know, not, nothing talking over it, no volume control. And it was amazing. I don't know if it was like that good in the ground, but it sounded absolutely buoyant. And yeah, the players obviously responded. They wanted to make up for Stoke. I was really impressed with, yeah, with how, how we were pressing and how we were sprinting forward in, in such numbers in the first, in, well, yeah, straight from the kickoff. It was, it was great to see. I messaged Adam, who sits next to us at the football, to gauge what the atmosphere was like. And uh, he said it was a decent first half. But he actually sent me a picture of Solitaire. You know, the guy who sits near us, who just, like, <laughs> he stands near us, but he sits down when we're, we're losing. He said he was, well, he sent me a photo of him sat down at 4-0. Like, what is he doing? Oh dear. God. Maybe that was and, the second. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would have thought so. So in your notes, again, link up down the left with Byram. It's something to behold, isn't it? Sam Byram. And we've said it before, but he's, he's probably, he's probably a Premier League footballer, really, isn't he? Yeah. As a lot of them are, to be fair. They look it, they do look it, and Byram, yeah, does look the best left back in the league. I think Fark has said that, hasn't he? And yeah, his, his link up play is awesome. Pretty much everything he does is just so accomplished, isn't it? So yeah, it all seemed to be coming down the left. Obviously, uh, you know, a couple of the goals ended up down the right with James, but um, that was sort of even still, I think those goals still actually came from the left. Byram's just so important and just hope he stays fit. Touch wood. It's looking good so far, isn't it? He seems he seems to be coping with the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday of the championship. Yeah, that's it. And that first goal, was that the, my memory's shocking. I don't, I've had a couple of beers. That first goal, was that the router where he sort of waited and waited for someone to make the run? Uh, is it that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, with the little ball over the top. Yeah, so I've put in, I've added to the notes here, Rocco, so forgive my graffiti, that it was sport pole football. You know, something about it where it's like, because there's not that many players behind the ball and Ruta just did something that was a bit like, well, if this guy's not going to tackle me, I might as well just knock it over his head. And then from there on, it was Somerville, which was like a class touch, uh, running up the last wing. 
and we just looked amazing, didn't we? So you didn't play head height in your sports hall. That's controversial. Well, I did think that just was saying it. I think <laughs> head height was more like a, it's more like a astro role, isn't it? Whereas sports hall, it was just ah, anyone maybe. could, anyone could smash one in the cricket nets that are folded at the end of the hall. You're like, you're never hitting that little six side goal, are you? It's always bagged up into the top, top of the nets. Oh dear. Yeah. Apart from Dan James with his clinical finish, it was lovely, wasn't it? Probably terrible goalkeeping and definitely terrible defending. Just stood off him and let him do whatever he wanted. And that's the thing, you know, it has to be said, they were absolutely terrible, you know. So when we're saying these, you know, they look like Premier League players, you almost can't, you like, you can't judge them, can you really? Playing against those absolute, well, idiots, like they were just hopeless. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen in the championship. Like it was ludicrously bad. Yeah, you're totally right. And I saw Johnny Cooper, who works for OptaX.com, and he said Opta has analysed Leeds United's last 450 games since 2013-2014, and today was both their most successful passes, 773, and highest passing accuracy at 92% on record, which is, like you say, it's as, it's as much as we were good and as much Huddersfield as shite. And I, well, the other thing that I noticed, the halftime stats, We'd won 82% of the aerial duels, which I think's crazy. Like, they can't have even been competing. Like, it's crazy. And we made one foul in the, in the whole first half as well, which, again, I think tells a story as well. Just, yeah, men against boys, wasn't it? It was, it was a walk in, the, a cakewalk, I think they say nowadays. I do believe they do. I do believe they do. But yeah, and it did feel like someone was going to get sent off and the tackles flying in. It, there was a moment as well where I think it was when we were 1-0 down that Shaq sort of made that, Jamie Shackland sort of made a bit of an error. I don't know if he did make an error, that's a bit harsh to sort of call him out, but he sort of chested it, didn't he, and then fell over. And then their player was through on goal and Rodon sort of came in and sort of steamrolled him out of the way, didn't he? It was a great tackle. I think he hurt himself in the process as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a funny moment that I don't know what Shaq was, I think obviously he was trying to take it down. I, I, yeah, he just... Must have lost lost control of the situation for a second, but yeah, an amazing recovery. Um, I was listening on the radio at that point, and Ross McCormack was saying it was a penalty. I don't know, I don't know why he said that. <laughs> it was a, just a great challenge, wasn't it? Just yeah, like you say, steamed in, and yeah, that pace that Rodon has to to recover is just so vital. And hit him and strike. I mean, we saw it second half when Cooper came on, and I, I know it's. Different game anyway, but Rodon and Strike are great. And and as much as I've talked up Rodon this season, I think Strike in the last two games has, has actually been even better. Like I, I think he's just looks a monster at the moment. There was a couple of moments in that first half where we did have to defend, and he made a brilliant block block with his chest, and you know he's heading out every ball, and he's so composed on the ball. I mean, yeah, there's all these passing stats flying around, which I don't take a lot of notice of really, but it does show sort of how how important and how trusted he is and he's really yeah he's come on leaps and bounds this season I've, I'm delighted with him I'd written him off really last season but I'm ready to see him in the Premier League again for Leeds yeah it's one of those isn't it where if you look back at it how much has he been shifted around into positions that he probably was never really comfortable because he was left back for some time as well wasn't it <laughs> which is yeah. mad when you think about it I mean who hasn't been a left back at Leeds United. But yeah, Rodon as well, I think, like you say, he's just been so, it's like really sturdy, a great, great signing for us that we've needed to just sort of elevate us that bit. And I hope he's not injured. 
because I know well, I, mean, I know we're jumping around in the timeline, but he sort of pulled up a bit later on in the game, didn't he? So yeah. We'll see, see what look, there. looked a bit precautionary at the time, but I think Farkas, yeah, his comments after the game made me a bit more worried. He said he hopes he's fit for Leicester, which yeah, I mean, it, it still might be something and nothing, but God, I hope he's fit for Leicester. If <laughs> we really need him in that game, yeah, definitely. And second goal, Somerville's footwork. Sorry. He said Somerville's footwork and the goal reminded you of Furpo. Is it the Furpo <laughs> thing in that it's like the shot from behind a man that's kind of weak that falls through everyone? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. It went in the same sort of way, didn't it? Like through a, through a body and then like past a hapless goalkeeper. So yeah, the finish was very Furpo-esque. Uh, footwork definitely wasn't. That was, yeah, more Ronaldinho, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> lovely stuff on it. Just bamboozled him. Great to see. Another player that's just, yeah. Running out of superlatives, we're gonna add, add, we're gonna like run out of stuff to say about these guys, aren't we? The way they're going on, like it's just yeah, it's just awesome to see. I think you said before as well, the keeper was bad. I put here he has an inability to stretch his arms out wide because like when he <laughs> when, when he's like dived for a shot, he's, he doesn't watch it back, but he's not fully extended his arms. Like you like you're a keeper. Surely it's a fundamental. Put your arms out straight. Not that I'm complaining. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's probably what happened with Dan James's goal in the first one. Because yeah, that didn't even really seem like it was in the corner. So yeah, I never really looked at the keeper. But yeah, probably a good point now. Somerville and Yonto have a nice relationship. Uh, him coming onto the pitch and dancing with him. I mean, there's not. A, well, I'd never dance that because I can't for one. And, uh, and I'm always a bit like, a bit cringy at those dances. But you know. I am a 40-year-old man, so... Well, yeah, I'm the same, but I don't know. For some reason, I feel like they can get away with it. Just, like, it feels it feels more goofy than it feels arrogant, you know what I mean? Like, some players, they do it and they think they look really cool and amazing. But, like, I think them two are just having a laugh. I was almost surprised that Yonte didn't get booked for getting on the pitch, but, yeah, thankfully there was some common sense shown by the uh, inconsistent referee. Yeah, and goal three good advantage played. So this was, I think Ampadu sort of mopped it up, didn't he, from defence. They passed it to Piro, who did a quick turn, passed it to Ruta, and then he was fouled, wasn't he? And the ref played yeah, on. And yeah. then we sort of quickly blazed up the field from there. And it was, uh, I, I was worried for Middlesfield at this point. <laughs> Just thought <laughs> they annihilated it. Oh, no. This is why I made notes, because obviously there's so many goals and so much action that I knew that when we got to talking about it, like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't really be able to remember what was what. So who scored it? Was it James? It was James, wasn't it? I think it is, yeah. What actually happened? Oh, yeah, Somerville sent him clean through. It was a lovely ball. Yeah. It was a yeah, perfectly weighted ball. Uh, yeah, Somerville cutting through again. Yeah, do, you just, know just, 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 do you know why I'm struggling to remember? I think it's the PA. It just comes into shot <laughs> on, that, on that goal. That's what it is. My mistake, sorry. This is why I should, this is why I should always no, be in the ground. Right. It was... <laughs> It was a great finish as well by James. Again, didn't think he had it in him really to, to do these sorts of things. But yeah, it was, yeah, just clinical. Don't even blame the keeper in his short arms for that. That was just <laughs> a lovely, lovely finish. Good yeah. movement by Piro as well. Took the defender yeah. away, darted to the left, didn't he? Yeah, just, just great stuff. A, cl- a cut above. Little T-Rex arms from the goalkeeper. Bless <laughs> yeah. him. So yeah, James probably could have had a hat trick as well, and I was I was glad that James had a really good game as well and was doing what he does best, which is sort of run at players and 
because we talked about it last week's podcast with Dara when he came on and we ended up talking about it a bit longer because you guys were panning him and I told you, look, he's the, <laughs> he's the messiah and he's going to score two in the next game. I think were my exact words. And I'm just dead chuffed for him because I think he does get written off a lot. His scum past doesn't help him, but he was treated pretty poorly. He's come back and he, he clearly like loves playing for Leeds and always wanted to be at the club and uh, through someone... You know, they'd kind of said that, you know, his dad had always wanted him to play, to play for Leeds United as well. So he, he obviously lost his dad when he was at Manchester United. So yeah, as a, I think it does have a massive place in his, in his heart and does want to be here. So I always get like a little bit, well, not a little bit. I get defensive when I hear people jumping on Dan James back because I want him to do well. He might be, have, he might have some things that need improving and he's not 100% perfect, but he's doing a good job. Yeah, I think that we should have a pact now where we never mention the facts that he ever played for Man U. Like that should just be stricken from the record because it doesn't it doesn't deserve to be on his on his on his record. You know, his 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 leads like he's proved it this season, hundred percent. Like he wants to be here, he's determined to be here, and I'm absolutely thrilled that he's proven me so wrong. Because yeah, I I didn't think there was a player in there to be honest. I didn't think even in the championship. He would be able to do it. And but yeah, the thing about that second goal now that you mentioned it, saw it, there's a brilliant video on Twitter that highlights him moving through the gears, like he, as he goes up to top pace on that, on that goal. He's, you know, sort of half jogging over the halfway line. And then he suddenly just, yeah, puts on the afterburn. Cool. Just, yeah. <laughs> Good sound effects. That was out of your mouth. That wasn't even a computerized. But also on the first goal, there's a great video from the away end, which is really weird. Like why, why would an away fan video the Leeds fan celebrating and then, and then post it on Twitter? But anyway, uh, there's a video of the first goal and when Dan James gets the ball, someone in the background shouts, oh, he's shit. <laughs> the next minute, like limbs everywhere. Uh, so yeah, no, love him. Absolutely love him. He's uh, completely won me over. I'm delighted that he has. For the context of your scrubbing it off his record playing for Man United, like a criminal record, hard to scrub off. Like you can't get rid of that. I was going to follow you around forever. Record of achievement that you did at school. <laughs> no one's looking at that. So it's the equivalent of a record of achievement. Gone. There you go. We'll never mention it again. I don't think you can say that in public. That's like outing a Santa Claus as being fake. Like kids aren't supposed to know that the record of achievement. Well, if there is anyone under the age of 40 listening to this, well, but one, if you're in your 20s, you don't need to worry about it anyway. But if you are under 20, yes, your record achievement is very important, as is your bronze Duke of Edinburgh. You plan that walk and enjoy it. 40th minute, road on header, PD chest block. Oh, I've already gone over that. PD was meant PS, sorry. Pascal Stroy. <laughs> oh, that, was well. to hi- that was to highlight the, the, the defensive partnership that I've always already waxed, waxed lyrical over. So we can move on to the, well, the foot, was it the fourth goal next? Or was there something else in between? I feel like Rutter, we've not even touched on Rutter yet, which is good. You know, we're saving that, I think, aren't we? So Hog, nice. second yellow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Was I've that your road on that hole? Yeah. Done. Ticked off. Take that shit off. Goal four, the touch by Rutter, flick by Byron, James getting out of the way, rampant, amazing, gutted, missing. Yeah, well, the touch by Rutter, absolutely loved it. Like, the way he controlled the ball, it was almost like, he just, all he did was stop the ball dead, but he like, he beat a man by doing it. It was amazing. And then, yeah, the little back flick from Byron, and then he's, then Rutter's away down the line. 
just yeah absolutely like it is like men versus boys with Rutter. like it, it's just ludicrous and it was it was yesterday anyway i think there was one where where he like he steamed through two of them and like both defenders just like left it to each other but it looked like it looked like a you know 16 year old playing against nine-year-olds it's just absolutely crazy so yeah did did brilliantly there to settle the goal and yeah, Dan James did well to get out of the way and a lovely finish. And I was just gutted because like at that point the crowd was just so up for it. And I just and I know what it would have been like, you know, being in the cuff and and the like the goal went in like right at my side of the side of the net. So I'd have been right behind that as it went in. And yeah, I just I know how euphoric it would have been to have gone for and look at that point. So pretty gutted to have missed it, but delighted that it happened. Yeah, I know what you mean. You do sort of, when a goal goes in, you you watch it back from your seat in your mind. I don't know if you do the same, where like yeah. I've seen it on TV and I'm like, oh, what would that have looked like? Like the knee slide, Dan James into the corner, all that <laughs> stuff. You mentioned Rutter sort of gliding past that player on the left um, after he took touch. I think it's this one anyway, but there's a the, the replay from behind the goal. There's the touchline and Darren Moore, their manager, is going ballistic because <laughs> I think no one's put a challenge in, but... I don't think you can probably appreciate how difficult he is to play against. If you're not on the field against him, he just looks impossible. And yeah, I feel for all the players in this league who come up against him. Well, I don't. It's brilliant, isn't it? He's ours. <laughs> well, it, and he's, well, he's only scored two goals. Is that right? But like, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I reckon after about seven goals this season, we've been singing his name rather than the goal scorer just because it's his brilliant work every time. Like he's... Ah, he's just just amazing, and yeah, once again, another player with that. I, I I didn't see it. You know, a lot of people did, and I don't know. I didn't I didn't know what they were talking about when they were saying that Rutter was going to tear up the championship. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't know what they'd seen, but they had. So fair play to everyone that did. He's just an absolute different level. Like he must be. Like he's, he mu- there can't be many players that have played this well in the championship ever. Like I I've. I don't think I've ever seen someone playing this well in the championship. Bamu says, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he is staggering. And same with some of the, like you say, that at the start of the season and you wouldn't have imagined it. I thought it was all about Nyonto. It's like we could keep him, he'd be the difference. But I just think Somerville's just first touch and his, his ability on the ball is just stupid. It's like so good. And I know we, we were all sort of having a moan right at the start, well, I was having a moment, right at the start of the season about him not being productive or sort of dwelling on the ball a bit too much. And but he just seems to have, he just seems to be getting better and better each game. I think that's the difference as well of having someone like Farker who's played in an attacking role and he is a coach. He's not just a manager. It feels like he's, he's eking more out of them and making them better players, which is precisely what we need at this, this point. And well, they need it and they, their points in their career, the younger players in particular, but we 100% need it as a fan base. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's a good point that because the play, it will make the players, you know, even more behind him and, and more behind the club and yeah, more, lo- more loyal to the club and to him. And yeah, they'll keep doing whatever he says and sacrifice, you know, putting the sacrifices in because they're seeing the results, you know, similar to Bielsa. Um, you know, once he'd made a good start, then, then we were away because the players could see, um, you know, what they were getting out of it. And yeah, it's exactly the same now because yeah, like we say, there's, it's not like he's just brought a load of players in, um, you know, that, that are of a level and are playing to that level. He's, yeah, he seems to have improved pretty much everybody. I think that's the thing as well is that we get, um, cause we, we were obviously going to touch on Stoke and before this, I feel like coming down from a 4-0 winter, then <laughs> go back in time and talk about Stoke. But it's like, you look at Stoke, uh, 
it was probably a blip and, you know, midweek game, rotating the team to try and get new players in. And, and part of you thinks, oh, why would you rotate the team when, you know, you put your strongest 11 out, but then it's like, as a manager, you put in your trust in the players that you're coaching and you, and you say, go out there and perform, you know, I trust you and believe in you. And you can't really knock Farker for that. He's doing what he thinks is right. And he's, and to be fair, he is doing what is right. It's only with hindsight, it not working. You turn around and say, why did you do that? And, but I think before the game, I think everyone would have been like, yeah, there's definitely players in here that need a rest. Similar as Gray, you know, needed a rest at the weekend and Buckland came in for him. So, um, yeah, disappointing Stoke. We won't dwell on it too much, but we'll talk about the key things, I think, won't we? Yeah. And well, I completely, I have no problem with what Farker did against Stoke at all. And I, I think it's ridiculous the amount of heat he got for changing the team, especially when he said that Somerville has an injury and he couldn't do three games. Like Somerville's the one that you're surprised he took out because he'd scored two goals and he's explained that. And the rest of them, you know, everyone's been, you know, loving Jaden Anthony. You know, people wanted to see Gruev. You have to rotate players. And even the match, the way it went, you know, first half, well, we played crap, but we should have come through that with a win. You know, when, at the point where we got the penalty, we were miles on top. We were starting to really cause them problems. And if we hadn't have got the penalty, we'd probably scored and won the game. Like, I have absolutely no issue. And Farker said the same in his, in his press conference before Huddersfield. Um, you know, if we score the penalty, then people are praising us, you know, praising the game management. You know, it's a championship, midweek championship game at Stoke. They did exactly what they needed to do. They weathered a storm. They got through it. They weren't on song, but they should have come out with a 1-0 win. And, you know, they didn't. And we can talk about why they didn't. Uh, yeah, no problem whatsoever with the team that he picked. Agreed. And you say we could talk about why they didn't. And left it, which almost leaves it to me to tee up and be the bad guy. So cheers, Rocco. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I kind of wrote on Twitter the other day that Bamford has become toxic. And I don't mean in the sense that he, you know, not toxicity in terms of someone being a bad apple in the change room, but toxicity in that people are so divided or it creates such a, a volume of noise and anger that it's something that somehow needs to stop somehow needs to stem the flow of that toxicity when he does play and and I feel for him in a way as well because from his point of view he's like well I've come back I've earned this penalty I want to take this penalty because I want to prove to myself I don't want to prove to everyone that I can do this it's not about it's not arrogance I think it's like he knows he's under heat because he's missed some sitters and he's had he's had a history of bad penalty taking as well so fair play in that sense but I think it is just one of those things now where he has to be managed in the sense of it's like, well, you've done your bit, like you earned the penalty. That is more than enough. Just pass it over, do the good thing and pass it over to someone who deserves to take it. But I think everyone has sort of lost their patience is, is the truth of it um, with Bamford. Um, because yeah, there, there are times where he could have really helped us out and got a goal in quite a easy situation for us as well. So yeah, it's difficult, complex. Feel sorry for him. Feel sorry for us. Well, yeah, I agree. I have very strong opinions on this, to be honest. I don't blame Bamford. You know, I was annoyed that he took it. I wish he would have been in the mindset of, well, you know, I've not been very good at penalties, so I don't deserve to take it. But he's a striker. He's a professional striker. You know, we don't know what's going through his head. I'm completely fine to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was straight away so angry at Farker. Like, for the reasons that you've just said, it's bad management not addressing this sooner. He should have made sure that Bamford wasn't wasn't near penalties. 
firstly, because of his bad record. And Farker came out afterwards. I mean, he explained it at length and I appreciate that. But he said everyone gets a clean slate. Well, that doesn't apply to penalties. It just doesn't. But beyond that is the toxic thing that you said, you know, the situation with Bamford. And it is a situation like the last time he missed a penalty, he got death threats. Like that's how much the fans were up in arms. And not even because he missed it, but because he took it. Like because people don't have the confidence that he's going to score a penalty. So to reopen those wounds was just bad management for me. Like that's just, you know, wrong. Like that shouldn't have happened. Like we already run the risk of him missing a sitter and everyone being up in arms and on his back and causing this negativity, you know, in the fan base. And, you know, everything was calm. Like to risk that all blowing up again like it did, I just think that was just bad, bad management. And I was really, I was actually upset. Like, cause like I love Farker. Like, you know, I've been, yeah, I've been going on about how much I love him all season. And, and I felt, I actually felt let down that they hadn't handled that situation right. Um, you know, they'd, they'd let Bamford take such a crucial penalty. You know, he shouldn't have been on the list. So yeah, for me, that was upsetting. But at least he has addressed it and it's over now. So we just have to forget it. And the other thing is that Bamford, you know, he's doing good work. Like the Stoke game came on. Wins a penalty, should have set up the equaliser for Somerville. Brilliant little back heel. Somerville should have hit it first time. It's a goal. And he's got some, you know, the, the fans are probably off his back after that because then they're saying, well, great setup. Like Bamford will continue to do good stuff, definitely. But he will also miss chances and he definitely shouldn't be taking penalties. That's, that's the bottom line. Like it's just, his record speaks for itself before you start even going on about everything else. So that one. And if we jump back in time or jump forward in time, I don't know, one or the other. We, man of the match and player ratings for Leeds versus Huddersfield. We've not even talked about the second half. Oh, is that it? No, we don't need to do it. We were absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It was boring. It was dishwater. It's, it's funny because I, I tweeted Leeds that at, at halftime saying how easy the ratings were going to be <laughs> at halftime. But then the second half actually made them quite difficult because what are we supposed to do? Do we take it into account? I don't really know. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. This is where we get hate mail off your dad again. Yeah. And obviously we've got to do Stoke as well. And then the other thing is I'm hideously underprepared. Uh, so apologies for that. So let's go through it and see see how it goes. So Melier, I mean... Probably six for Stoke. He was unconvincing for the goal and probably five for Uddersfield because, I mean, that was an absolute clanger that he drops the only time he was called upon. Five. God, that's brutal, isn't it? Yeah, five. God, you wouldn't think that, would you? But yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Good. Well, this is complicated now. Who was right? <laughs> it must have been Byron. Well, let's do Byron. Did Byron play against Stoke? We'll go with Byron then. So Byron at Stoke, probably six. And then... I Maybe give him a nine for Huddersfield. He's not had a nine this season. I think he deserves it. He's been knocking on the door for a nine. What do you reckon? And you need the, you need his rating up. Pretty the scores. Sounds dodgy that. No, I'd probably I'd agree. I think they were all terrible at Stoke, so I think that's probably about right and fair for Huddersfield. Keep yeah. moving. Gray for Stoke. I thought he was pretty poor. He was tired, lethargic, asleep. I have to give him a five. Mentally asleep, wasn't he? tired I think was the main thing uh, bless him yeah great player needs a rest I think that was fair yeah Rodon a seven and seven yeah strike spoiler Strauch I believe our listener Sorry. corrected us on Strauch 
my man of the match against Stoke, not even a joke, even though he scored, well, he scored the winning goal, normally gets your man of the match, but I just thought he was brilliant. So yeah, I'll give him an eight for Stoke and probably an eight for Huddersfield as well. Nice. Cool. Byram plays six at Stoke and, oh, hang on, have we done this yet? We've done yeah. Byram, haven't we? Six and nine. Okay. Ampadu, again, I thought he struggled at Stoke, give him a six and then return to his normal self against Huddersfield, give him an eight. I think mainly it felt Ampadu and Gruev just didn't work together. Two two similar players playing together and whereas Kamara just plays that bit in front of him and sort of can turn and do a good job. I haven't even talked about Kamara uh, that get to a game, but he was class. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with those. Definitely. Yeah, well, Gruev then at Stoke, worth touching on because, I mean, he's had, I mean, some of the stuff that's been coming out on Twitter after one match, that was ridiculous. Like, I've got to say, Obviously, he didn't have a good game, but there's certain things about him that really impressed me. You know, he, he wanted the ball. He was directing people. He's, you know, he looks, he looks switched on. Thinks that he, I think he can be a good player, actually. So, I mean, and I thought actually he was getting better and better in the second half until the penalty and it all went haywire. But um, yeah, I thought he was improving. So, I mean, give him a six. Don't think he deserves less and certainly not more. I mean, we can't spend good time on the podcast talking about how we used to write players off like Ruta and then and all of a sudden write someone like Gruev off after one game. So it's too early to make conclusions. We were just dreadful. It was a dreadful day. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Kamara, yeah, sort of, well, the opposite really. So he's been getting absolute rave reviews for his Huddersfield game. I mean, I wasn't that impressed. <laughs> I'd oh, give him go. a seven, but should it? Well, I'm not, I'd, I've got nothing to say bad about him, but I don't know that it was that good. But maybe if I was in the ground, I'd have felt differently. You, what do you think? There's a few moments where he really stood out for me where I thought he's created space from nothing or he's cleared something up nicely. And then as a result, we've been able to break with it. And I thought he was, I thought he was really, really good. It was like the best we've seen him. But then again, we've talked about how bad Huddersfield were. So maybe I'm getting overexcited. Well, that's the thing for me. I want to see how he does against Leicester because I think I feel like when he's played well, it's been like against the really bad teams when we've when we've played well. And yeah, you could say we've played well because he's played well, but I don't know. I, I feel like I want to see him do it against Leicester basically before, yeah, commit myself to how great Kamara is. So, what we're we giving him eight or a seven? I think an eight because we just dominated. Like we can't. Mark him down because they're a crap opponent. He still plays an eight, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, moving up the pitch. Well, let's start with Stoke, the Stoke Wingers because I thought Jaden Anthony was absolutely terrible. <laughs> he had a terrible game. I'd give him a five at best. I'm very disappointed. Um, I don't feel like there's anything to read into it. I just think he had a bad night. Like, I don't think he's a bad player. No, I think that's fair. He came on and did well against Huddersfield and he's, I think it was just a crap day. Like, that's all Stoke was. I wouldn't read too much into it and judge anyone on it. Yeah. Uh, does Anthony get a marking for Huddersfield? Second half. Didn't exist, did it, Rocker? No. Nah. Let him off. <laughs> so, Paul, but I'd maybe give him, I don't know, I wouldn't give him a five, maybe give him a six for the Stoke game. Yeah, he didn't, just didn't really do much. I'm surprised. I want him to really kick on, but you don't know how much this injury has affected him because he's had surgery, hasn't he? I think minor surgery, so we'll see. Yeah. And then, who else? Well, Dan James, I'll let you mark him. Huddersfield, I'm going nine. Yeah. Nine, Easily. Nine. Yeah, he can't get a ten. If he'd have scored a hat-trick, it's a ten. Uh, it's a, 
knowing our fan base, he'd have to assist three and score three to warrant a 10. Well, about Somerville, can he have a 10? Is that a bit he's more? Got, he's, he's got to be close, hasn't he? Got to be well, close. If we allow, allow 9.5s. Oh, we do allow 9.5s. Should we give him that? Do we? Let's give him a 9.5. I think he deserves it. Yeah. He's been very good. And Ruter. It's like, it's kind of harsh with him, isn't it? Because he's the centre of everything. Yeah, we're not willing to give him like really high scores because he's not scoring goals or whatnot. But is he, oh, is, he, is he 10? Is he 10, Ruter? Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because he's so far above the level that like he probably should be 11. Feels like cheating, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I don't feel like we can give him a 10. It's like a new like... scale. He's like a 10 out of 20. He's like... <laughs> he's a 10 out of 12, isn't he? Hey, yeah. should, should we give him a 9.5? Yeah, let's do it. On power, Somerville. Why not? Let's do it. So, sorry, Dad. 9.5. Oh, <laughs> Rutter for Stoke. I mean, the play that he did to set up the penalty. I mean, Great that was pass. like Messi-esque. Like, and the way that he got... I know there was like a bit of a bobble at first, but then he like flipped it over the guy, took it down. The vision, the execution... That's... That pass was like the messy pass in the World Cup, wasn't it? I can't remember which one it was. For it was like yeah, a no look pass. It through, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. What a player, but I mean, seven probably can't give him an eight for Stoke. No, no. I wanted to. Are we are we mentioned everyone that we wanted to mention? No, uh, Joel Peru. Oh yeah, Stoke. N- like a nothing game for him, wasn't it? Huddersfield, I thought he was great. Got involved in loads of stuff. Had a disallowed goal as well earlier, which debatable yeah. whether it was even offside. It made me think, actually, like usually it cuts to a camera on the top of the West Stand, doesn't it, to show like anything that's nearly offside. I wonder if the Premier League took that camera off us. We'll have, we'll have that back. Yeah, only VAR use that camera. <laughs> it's the PA thing in the way, isn't it? Exactly, that's yeah. The problem. Chuck the money on a PA. <laughs> like, we're going to have to sell something to make way for that. So what we're giving him, a, I mean, is it, was he as bad as a five at Stoke? Mm, I'll just give him... Six. Six. Six, six and... Mm. Eight for Huddersfield. I think because we've given the other attackers such awesome scores, they can eight's a fair for, fair one for him. Yeah. yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think that's it. Is it? I wanted to mention one thing. Ailing came on. I thought he had a shocker again. I don't know what's wrong. Like I don't want to be talking about this. Like at all. I love him. Everyone knows that. It's annoying me. I feel like there's something going on with him. And well, it makes me worry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was... he, pl- he played a hospital past a shackle and then he turned beautifully, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. that was lovely. Oh, was, have, we, have we done Shaq? I don't think we have, have we? No, we <laughs> this haven't. Is, like, this is like the worst we've Shaq. ever done with this. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal. <laughs> Our drop-off rate, our listeners. Uh, 8 out of 10 for Shaq for Huddersfield. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, he's just... Like, was, I know he's sort of become boring saying the same thing, doesn't it? But... He's just, his engine is just crazy. He just seems to make ground when others just seem to be flagging. And I really like watching him. Good lad as well. Engine and enthusiasm. But yeah, second half, yeah, when, when Cooper and Ailing came on, we definitely started looking a bit, bit dodgy at the back, didn't we? Feeble. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say about second half is I don't, I don't think we stopped trying. Like I, I always remember a game against Burton and it was the Christensen, like the, the Christensen boom. And we went 5-0 up after about half an hour, after about an hour. And then we completely shut down. We just completely stopped trying it. And I was fuming by the end. Like I was really pissed off. Like I just felt shortchanged. Like what were they doing? 
uh, you know, the fans want to see him going for it. I honestly don't think they, I don't think that was the case on Saturday. I think just Huddersfield, I noticed because I'd only seen the second half, so I'd saw what the match was like. And then when I saw the first half, you could see clearly the difference. Like Huddersfield were defending their own half in the first half. Second half, they were defending their own box. Like they just flooded everyone back and, you know, clearly just wanted to shut up shop. And it sort of worries me slightly that we made absolutely no inroads whatsoever. Like Piro had a shot that went just wide, made no chances apart from that. And I know we had the game won, so, you know, I'm not panicking or anything or even really criticizing them, but a little bit, a little bit disappointing that we failed so miserably to, to break down the low block. As frustrating as it is as a punter, I do sort of, I always go back to diplomatic me and try and remain balanced and like, it's a long season. You've had three games this week. Is it, is it reserving energy and making sure we've got a team that isn't flying around, getting injured, going into a massive game at Leicester away this week? Leicester, who are obviously top of the table. Have they lost yet? I don't think they've even lost yet, have they? Yeah, they've lost one and they've not drawn. So they've won every game apart from one defeat to Hull, I believe. Yeah, that's crazy. And Mesmer, the manager there, who was obviously assistant under Pep at Man City, and then took the took the job there. Just seems to be doing just an annoying job. Like when you watch them, you know when you see Leeds, there's elements of the team where you burst forward like it's Rooter and he's central to everything. There, they just seem balanced like across the whole pitch and like the way they play is just when they when they're playing really well is freeing to watch. And I'm a little bit fearful of the game, but we'll see. I guess. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing them actually because I've, I've not seen anything of them at all this season. So yeah, looking forward to finding out how good they are uh, when they come up against us. I still think it's a long old season. Like I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, you know, their start is insane and you've got to imagine that they're just going to go on and, and win the league. Ipswich, I'm absolutely convinced that, you know, they, they're going to have a, a patch at some point, no doubt about it. And who knows what's going to happen? And then pressure comes into it. I feel like we're going to overtake Ipswich. I really, really do. Um, you know, we've only lost three times this season. We've not really been outplayed apart from Southampton. I, I feel like we've had one off day and I feel like we'll still get better and better. Obviously, injuries might come into it. If we get unlucky with injury, that's another thing. But there's so long to go. I'm really not bothered about any sort of gap to Ipswich. Like, it's just irrelevant. Like, we've just got to keep going. We're, we're not far off being two points a game now. If we get to two points a game, that's 90-odd points. You'd be unbelievably unlucky to get that many points and not go up and Ipswich. I mean, we've seen them against Leeds. To me, they didn't look, they didn't even look good. So I feel like they're just on an amazing run, made an incredible start. But I'm convinced that it's not going to keep up and there's options for us to, to get in there. Yeah, I watched them um, because obviously my family, uh, a lot of them from Ipswich on the other side, the in-laws. And uh, so I do keep an eye on them and I do watch them. And I was watching the results yesterday and they were losing 1-0 at halftime. I think Leicester might have been as well, actually. And they both came back to win. And there is something about them that they're just getting wins, not necessarily playing the best, but just getting them. And that always worries me a bit because they're the sort of teams that do sort of come out on top. And maybe, you know, like you said about the Stoke game, we've got a bit unlucky in a way um, where it's a, a, a game that we probably could have and should have ground out a win, but we just didn't. And it's frustrating, but I think you're right. I think something will definitely turn and change in this league. Because I always go back to the season where it's been years since anyone has been top of the league at Christmas. Yeah. 
and not been promoted and here, here come Leeds United. So that, that points gap at this point in the season, a, a really difficult, tiring, just grind of a league. It, something will happen and I, I completely agree. So I'm not committing to us overtaking and going into automatic promotion spot, but I think, I think we'll, we'll do well out of the season is all, all, is all I'm thinking at this point. I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, I always think about the League One promotion and we were like 24 points ahead of Millwall at Christmas and then by Easter we were behind them. And I know that's an extreme example, but it just shows you what could happen. And, and also we were like 11 or 12 points ahead of Norwich about this time actually and that season and they ended up finishing about 10 or 11 points ahead of us. So yeah, and obviously people have been saying we've got the same number of points as Burnley had at this stage. It's still all about us. Like people saying that we can't catch which or Leicester is just, it's just nonsense. Like maybe we won't obviously, but yeah, it's still all there for us. It's just take it a game at a time. Sounds boring, but it, that's, that's why it's a cliche because it's true. It is the manager's cliche. The sort of thing that could be read out over a new PA system as well. Don't worry fans, one game at a time. But no, I, I do, I do agree. Let's just see. It's going to be weird not having a game midweek. It's been busy the last few weeks, isn't it? But well, the last week or so. So yeah, long old wait for us. Well, Friday, you could argue it's a midweek game, could you? No, maybe not midweek. <laughs> midweek game. Oh dear, Rocker. Cool. Is that it? All good? All good. Just thinking about this, we didn't even say our man of the match. <laughs> Just how yeah. jumped around. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's, it's, I feel, now I'm going with him. Dan James, man of the match. Oh. Nice, fair play. I'm happy with that. My man of the match for Huddersfield is, is Rutter, definitely. But yeah, happy with your choice as well. What about Stoke? Are you forgetting that? Nah, didn't happen. I was with man of the match, I was thinking, is it Somerville? Is it Dan James? Is it Rutter? But for me, it's I just like shining light on Dan James. I want him to do well. And that's my reasoning. Whether or not that's good reasoning, I don't care. Cool. Right, everyone, have, have a great week and let's hope we can get something out of Leicester. It's going to be a, a difficult game, I imagine. I was there actually for the the first game under the Marsh era uh, Leicester. It was a lonely trip there and a lonely trip back. And I parked on a, on a building site, I abandoned it because I was running late and I was so, like I spent the whole game just worrying about whether my car was going to be towed, basically. Uh, <laughs> just, a, just a rubbish day out, a loss. And so anyone going to the game, I hope you have a good time. And it's a good win that takes us into the weekend. I don't like losing on a Friday night. It's miserable. So yeah, enjoy yourselves and we'll, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Network.